Time now for our scripture reading from the book of Isaiah, the 36th chapter, uh, verses 1 through 20, and the 37th chapter, verses 1 through 7. This is the story of a time when the people of Judah were threatened by military invasion. And uh, I know that uh, it was a very difficult time. People were uncertain about what would happen. Uh, and this is, uh, this is a long sort of complex reading, but if you follow along at the end of the day, the people know that they can turn to the Lord for help in that time and in all times. During Hezekiah's 14th year as king, Sennacherib, king of Assyria, went to fight against all the strong cities of Judah. Sennacherib defeated those cities. He sent his commander with a large army to King Hezekiah in Jerusalem. The commander and his army left Lachish and went to Jerusalem. They stopped near the aqueduct by the upper pool on the street that leads up to the laundryman's field. Three men from Jerusalem went out to talk with the commander. The commander, the commander told them, Tell Hezekiah, this is what the great king, the king of Assyria, says. What are you trusting in to help you? I tell you, if you are trusting in power and great battle plans, that is useless. Those are nothing but empty words. Now I ask you, who do you trust so much that you are willing to rebel against me? Are you depending on Egypt to help you? Egypt is like a broken walking stick. If you lean on it for support, it will only stab you and hurt you. Pharaoh, the king of Egypt, cannot be trusted by anyone who depends on him for help. So maybe you will say, we trust the Lord our God to help us. But Hezekiah destroyed the altars and the high places where people worshipped your God, right? Hezekiah told the people of Judah and Jerusalem, you must worship only at this one altar here in Jerusalem. Now, do you think I came to this country to destroy it without the Lord's help? No, it was the Lord who sent me. Then the Judahites said, please speak to us in Hebrew. We understand that language. Don't speak to us in the language of Judah. If you use our language, the people on the city walls will understand you. But the commander said, my master sent me here to speak to everyone, not just to you and your master. I must also speak to those people sitting there on the wall. Then the commander, shouting loudly in Hebrew, gave this warning to them all. Hear this message from the great king, the king of Assyria. This is what the king says. Don't let Hezekiah fool you. He cannot save you from my power. Don't listen to him when he tells you to trust in the Lord. Don't believe him when he says, the Lord will save us. He will not let the king of Assyria defeat the city. Don't listen to Hezekiah. None of the gods of these other places were able to save their land from me. So why do you think the Lord can save Jerusalem from me? When King Hezekiah listened to their message, he tore his clothes to show he was upset. Then he put on sackcloth and went to the Lord's temple. 
Hezekiah sent people to Isaiah, son of Amoz. They wore the special clothes that showed they were sad and upset. They said to Isaiah, King Hezekiah has commanded today will be a special day for sorrow and sadness. It will be a very sad day. Maybe the Lord your God will hear it and prove the enemy is wrong. So pray to those who are still left alive. When King Hezekiah's officers came to Isaiah, he said to them, Give this message to your master, Hezekiah. The Lord says, Don't be afraid of what you heard from the commander. Don't believe what those boys from the king of Assyria said to make fun of me. Look, I will send a spirit against the king of Assyria. He will get a report that will make him return to his own country, and I will cut him down with a sword in his own country. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. God, we come this morning with hearts full and minds full with thoughts of things, of worries, of plans for this week, for all the stuff we have to do, the cooking we got to do this week, the travels we have to make. And we ask that for this moment, for this time, you pause those thoughts. You allow us to let them drift away to return at a later time. And that, that you fill that empty space with thoughts, your thoughts that you would fill us up with your thoughts, with your words for us this day. May the meditations of our hearts and the words of our, my mouth be acceptable to you, O Lord our God. Amen. Um, Mr. Bill was correct. This is a complicated passage. It's a long sort of story, but it's a familiar story. It's the story of conquest. If you read the Bible for much time, You'll have heard this story many, many times through. Not exactly the same story, but pretty close. The Assyrian people were a nation that, um, it started in what is modern day Iraq. So if you can picture that, we've seen that map in our heads a million times, right? They started in modern day Iraq and they were at war with Babylon. Babylon is modern day Iran. So far, so familiar, right? Um, they were in a fight, and so Assyria decided that they needed more resources, and so what they did was they went up the Fertile Crescent around the Sea of Galilee and around the top through Syria into Lebanon, which was full of wealth and resources and all the good things that Assyria needed for its fighting. And the king of Assyria is known, he was a great, had a great name, the king at the time, his name was Tilgesh Pileser, which is a great name. <laughs> he was Tilgesh Pileser II, um, and he had a son equally well named Sennacherib, who was bloodthirsty. He was known for being bloodthirsty, even by their standards. And he decided that he could not let Judah and Israel just lay idly by. Judah and Israel were, um, the northern and southern kingdoms at this point, they had split. So under David and Solomon, they were one country. But after Solomon came a series of pretty terrible kings. They did bad things. They were weak. They sold off God. They denied God. They started setting up temples all over the place. And so the Bible tells us God allowed the northern kingdom to be conquered because they were no longer worshiping God in the way that God had asked them to worship. 
And you can interpret it that way if you want. <laughs> I always struggle with the idea of God allowing people to be conquered, but that's what the Bible says. Um, and so they conquer all of the Northern Kingdom. And we know the Northern Kingdom in the New Testament as Galilee and Samaria. And so the people of Israel start hating the people of the Northern Kingdom for abandoning them. This begins the long feud that they will have. Remember when Jesus comes around and we hear stories about nothing good coming from Galilee? And we hear stories about the good Samaritan and how Samaritans aren't good. And it starts here during the Assyrian conquest. Sennacherib comes to the city gates, the big walls of Jerusalem, which are still there. You can go and visit these walls. You can go and stand on these walls. They're in the old city. And the spokesman for Sennacherib stood up on the hill, on the, the fence, the wall, and said, I have an announcement to make. And Hezekiah's people um, very quickly tried to like shoo all of the people out away from the walls so they couldn't hear the announcement because if they got far enough away, they wouldn't be able to hear. And the guy, whose name this is another great name, Rabshakeh is his name, Rabshakeh starts telling these people rumors and stories. And he's doing it in Hebrew. Hebrew, the language of Israel. He wants all of the people to hear him. And the three advisors to Hezekiah say, come on, can't you just talk in your language? We understand your language. So if you could just talk in Assyrian, that would be great. So nobody else could hear what you're saying, right? That would be awesome. And the Reb Shekha says, no way, man. I'm talking in Hebrew because I want the people to hear me. What he wants is for all the people who hear this story, all the people who hear the message to go home and tell their friends. It's propaganda. It's psychological warfare. And we've seen this story over and over again. It's one of the things that, um, that Germany pre-war, War II, pre-World War II was so good at. They put all these films out, right? They made all of these films and what they did was they convinced the people that all of their problems, their economic problems, all of their family problems, all of the societal problems could be blamed on two people, the French and the Jews, right? Have you ever wondered how all of these people started believing these things, right? How these good people turned into bad people who were capable of doing the things that they did? And it was rumors. It was gossip. It was undermining of the truth. They said this so many times. They said this rumor so many times. They told an untruth so many times that people began to believe it to be true. And so Hezekiah wasn't fighting a battle against Assyria. Hezekiah was fighting a battle against rumors and gossip and lies. Today, he'd make a video right? I don't know how many of you, before I stopped watching it for my mental health, started watch, would see those videos ISIS would put out a couple years ago, remember those? Of the men in the desert. And you knew something bad was about to happen, and the whole point of the video was to make you afraid. The whole point of the video was to make you scared of them, to start a rumor that they were coming to you, they were coming to your house. 
and they were going to attack you. It's rumor, it's gossip, and it's lies. We had nothing to be afraid of here in our beds. You see, rumors and gossip and lies are so insidious. They're so insidious. All the things that we tell about each other behind each other's back, it's so damaging. They knew, these people knew, the, the Assyrians knew, the Babylonians later knew, the Germans knew, ISIS knew, bad political actors today know that if they can convince you of the lie, then you will spread it to your friends and do all of their work for them. They know if they can convince you of the rumors that have no truth to them, then you will do all of their work for them and you will be afraid. It doesn't just happen in our society though, it happens all over the place, this rumor mill, the gossip, the lies about people. I have a friend who is a new teacher. She started, um, she lived, she went to seminary with me in Pittsburgh. She was one of those people who went to seminary because she liked church and she didn't know what to do with her life. So she thought maybe I'll become a professional Christian, which is a good option. Um, but she went to seminary and it wasn't the right fit for her. She didn't fit there. It wasn't what God was calling her to do or to be. And she struggled since graduating from seminary with finding her place. We met at a meeting of the Pittsburgh Browns backers which was a quite a ragtag bunch of people who met on Sunday afternoons at the top of a bar. And so it was the Browns backers on the top of the bar and then all of the Pittsburgh people at the bottom of the bar. So there were very different reactions going on in this building at the same time. We would watch Browns games, right, together as a group and sit at the table and commiserate. And I wasn't a Browns fan, but my husband was. And so I went along with him and it was a lot of misery and we bonded over this misery. It was, it was a lot of misery. It was 2008 I graduated from seminary, so that was like the bad years. We, I think they went like 3 and 11 that year. Um, anyway, we bonded over this story, and so we've kept in touch since then. And she became a substitute teacher last year. All of her kids had grown up, and they didn't need her at home anymore. She became a fourth grade teacher this year. And because she didn't go to teacher school, she just tested into it. She doesn't have any of the um, baggage. Is that a good word? <laughs> Looking at my principal. <laughs> of teacher school, right? They give you good skills. You should go to teacher school if you can. But it also teaches you a particular way of teaching. And she came at it from just like a whole different point of view. And the other day she walked into the faculty lounge, walked by the teacher's lounge, and you know what was happening. She didn't hear her name, but she heard enough of the conversation to know they were talking about her. And she called me and she said, um, well, she texted me. She said, we don't talk on the phone. Um, she texted me and she said, can I tell you about what happened at work today? And she told me the story and she said, you know, it's not that they were talking about me behind my back that bothers me. She said, it was that I thought these people were my friends. And my friends, I feel like, should have been able to come and tell me what they were worried about. Like if they thought I was doing something wrong, like I'm a nice person, I'm friendly, they could come and talk to me. And it was the lack of uh, trust, she felt. It was the lack of openness and honesty with her. And it was a complete destruction of her relationship 
with these teachers. And that happens to us all the time. Everybody has had that experience where they walk by a room and they know people are talking about them. And you don't know what it is that they're talking about, but you know it's not good because if it was nice, they would tell you, right? And it destroyed her confidence, and so she couldn't go back to school. She called out from work the next day because maybe she wasn't good enough. And so it happens at work, but it happens at church, too. And this looks a little bit different. At church, we tend to do things like people will come up to you and say, some people are saying, some people are saying, or um, I've heard some people, I've heard some things, I just want you to know. Or nobody likes the organ. Can't you maybe tell Elizabeth to stop playing it so much? That's not true. I'm just listening to people. <laughs> right? Could you go tell her that maybe she could, right? It's the same thing. And what it does is it destroys relationships and it destroys trust. Or it happens with family all the time. My kids have developed the absolute knack of dad says no, so let me go ask mom. Right? You would never do that. No? Yeah. Or I know dad's going to say no, so I'm just going to go ask mom. Or I'm going to go tell mom that dad did something, so she'll be mad at dad and then let me do what I want. Right? Real quick, kids figure this out. They know how to manipulate their parents better than anybody in the world, and they do. Or they start rumors about their brother. It wasn't my, I'm not the one who left the clothes in the bathroom. I told my brother to pick them up, and he didn't do it, and I think he should be in trouble so that I can watch what I want to on TV. Right? And we do this with friends, and it comes from a place where we genuinely care about them, hopefully. Like, we talk to one of our friends about our friends, and um, it comes from a place of caring and love and concern, but we do it about them instead of with them. And what always happens, what always, always happens is rumors and gossip and lies destroy trust and destroy relationships. And nobody knows who to believe anymore, because if you're willing to talk to me about friend C, then are you talking about me with friend C? And so Hezekiah, for all of his faults, for all the things that he did wrong, which he did some things wrong, the thing that grieves him in this moment is the way that the society has fractured beyond repair. Because nobody believes what the other person is saying anymore. Nobody can trust the other person anymore. Nobody believes what God says anymore because the people who are spreading the rumors and the gossip and the lies are also saying that God cannot be trusted. God cannot be trusted just like you cannot be trusted, just like Hezekiah cannot be trusted, because these guys sounded awfully convincing when my aunt told me about them last week. We can become so defeated by these lies, by this gossip, by these rumors, particularly the negative ones, because those are the ones that we like to share the most, that it becomes really, really impossible to believe the truth. Hezekiah refused to play the game. 
He refused to believe in the rumors. He refused to spread the rumors. He refused to allow gossip to become the way that he was going to communicate with his people. And he stood up in front of them and said, my heart is breaking because you don't trust me anymore. Now, this is Christ the King Sunday, and you may be asking, what does all of this have to do with Christ the King? And it's this, that our truth needs to be truth. The biggest knock right now against the church is that we're a bunch of hypocrites. You hear it in the society all the time. I would go to church, but they're all hypocrites at church, right? They say one thing and do the other. And there's all these nasty rumors and gossip about us. And so nobody trusts what we're saying anymore because our truth isn't truth. We don't back up what we say. We don't, like Hezekiah, refuse to play the game. And if we're going to say that God is God and that Christ is the king of all things, if we're going to trust in that, if we're going to enter into Advent singing songs of waiting expectation for the king who will come, the trustworthy one like Hezekiah, then we have got to stop acting like everybody else. Our truth has to be truth. People have to believe what we're saying, and our actions have to back that up. And we cannot be afraid of the reaction that people are going to have to our truth. It is easy to buy into the rumors. It's easy to believe the gossip. It's easy sometimes to spread the lie, because we want to be friends. We want to have friends. We want to be like everybody else. But if we believe that God is king and that we don't have anything to be afraid of from this world, then our truth can be truth. And we can stand up and not play the game. Christ is king, and so I don't have to believe your lies anymore. Christ is king, and so I know the truth about what this is, about who I am and about my faith, and I don't have to tell you anything but that. I don't have to live anything but that. If we're going to be people of God, if we're going to be children of the king, if we are going to follow where Jesus leads us, then we got to be truthful, honest people who put relationships above comfort and above our own preferences at times, and we got to stop playing the rumor game. God is God, and Christ is king, and you are not what people say about you. And you are not what you tell other people, and you are not what other people tell about you. Live the truth, speak the truth, and don't spread the lies. Amen.